world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. the role exercise, nutrition and lifestyle choices play in our health. But what about our aging parents? Is there ever a point at which it is too late? A point where risk of injury and potential for pain outweigh the benefits? Diane's special guest expert, Bob Teigenhoff, director of the Center for Active Lifestyle Medicine at the Integrative Medical Group in Irvine, California, weighs in on the topic. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. My special guest this week, Bob Teigenhoff, is the director of the Center for Active Lifestyle Medicine at the Integrative Medical Group in Irvine, California. His innovative wellness programs combine traditional medical treatments with lifestyle changes, nutritional and fitness programs to help patients regain their health and age more healthy by reducing inflammation, combating the effects of oxidative stress, and correcting hormonal imbalances. He's been so successful in promoting healthy aging and combating polycystic ovary syndrome that he was asked to present his clinical findings before the International Congress for Clinicians in Complementary and Integrative Medicine. He holds degrees from Princeton University, the University of Southern California, and the American College of Sports Medicine. Bob, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Well, hello, Diane. How are you? Good. Thank you. So to begin with, I know you're a big believer in proper nutrition and exercise. But how important is it for our aging parents to exercise? Well, I think it's absolutely essential. Um, you know, it's often people will ask, um, how much do I have to exercise? When can I stop exercising? Things like that. But I think we, you know, if you recognize that humans are uh, animals that are supposed to be in motion, it's a little bit akin to saying, well, when can I stop breathing? When have I eaten enough food that I don't need to eat anymore? You know, you have to exercise your entire life. Yeah, and you know... I it's true. I think people, we get to a certain age and we just, we don't do it and we don't realize how how vital it is and that it is like breathing. I mean, we don't. I mean, I'm kind of guilty of that myself. And <laughs> I, I know I keep saying, okay, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to start saying this every week. It always seems like there's something more important to do. Yes. And it's, it's very easy to sort of delude ourselves into thinking of, well, I'll make it up next week or the the week after. And we just keep putting exercise off further and further and further. And unfortunately, when you don't exercise, uh, everything goes into reverse and your health starts to decline and you lose it, but it's a very slow loss. So we don't recognize it the way you would if you fell down and you cut yourself or you broke a bone. 
Yeah. That's immediate. You see it. But when it's a long-term steady decline, and that's unfortunately what most people get into, uh, it's very hard to recognize and a little bit challenging to actually do something about it. Yeah. Now, you know, with with the elderly, and I even know with my mom, you know, my dad will mow the lawn. You know, he says, that's my mm-hmm. exercise. Um and he's up and down the steps and my mom kind of just sits, you know, and, and everything hurts. So she doesn't move. So how do you start an older person on an exercise program? Well, you know, I think that, uh, everybody starts depending on what their base level of fitness is. Um, so if somebody has been active, then they would certainly start at a much higher level of, um, activity than, someone who is typical of the vast majority, unfortunately, of people who uh, do very little uh, in terms of exercise. We live in a, in, in a society that um, celebrates convenience, and convenience very often translates into doing nothing yeah. <laughs> or as little as possible. And so we live, we have a tendency to um, uh, work our lives in very sedentary uh, types of environments and jobs, and when we get home or we retire, then we retire often into likewise very sedentary environments and, and existences. Um, I'd like to get people who have become deconditioned over time back into uh, what I'd like to think of as the original exercise. And once you get past the rolling around and crawling on the floor um, phase of life, you begin walking. And walking really is just a terrific exercise for the vast majority of people. Now, what if you have a person with a, a walker? You know, they could go outside and, and walk or walk inside? And Yeah. Diane, my, my, uh, my mother is 99 years old. We just celebrated her birthday. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Earlier in April. Um, and I faced the same problem. Uh, She has never considered herself an exerciser, but she does still use the walker, and I make sure that she gets out, and um, I sort of uh, encourage her, (laughs) annoy her is probably how she sees (laughs) it, but um, I encourage her to to get out and walk at least a little bit every day, and and I think that um, in, in her more reflective moments, she'll often say, um, you know, the reason that I'm still so healthy is that uh, is that I do a lot of walking. <laughs> <laughs> I always think, gee, I wish you would have said that to me and right. been a little bit happier about it when I was doing that. But uh, but I think walking is just a terrific exercise. And um, you know, the more we do, it's it's what we naturally do, and uh, it's it's good for virtually every system in the body. Now, of course, being in the Northeast, we have the, uh, you know, the winters. So I, I mean, I'll say to, to, um, you know, clients, well, you can walk around your house, you know, I mean, if you can't, we can't get outside, it's too cold. I mean, ice, et cetera, right? They can just kind of do their thing in the, in the house. And yeah, yeah, I, I grew up in, uh, uh, in the Northeast, um, um, and, moved out to California, oh, probably about uh, 40 years ago. But um, out here, we do an awful lot of, in the winter, um, and, and we we really get 
frightened of cold, cold weather when it gets down to maybe 50. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. But there's a lot of people who go to the local malls, and there at least you have a little bit of a longer, um, more interesting walk than if I'm just walking from the bedroom to the kitchen to the living room back to the bedroom and, you know. (laughs) to get someplace where you can actually walk for a little bit and actually you know what's what's also nice about that is you, is you get to socialize right. and you get to see other people and and occasionally strike up a conversation and that that's all part of being healthy well that's a great idea now how about um patients you know in a wheelchair i we try to encourage them to do something for their upper body yeah they're there are uh, specialized types of gym equipment that um, you can get a uh, an upper body aerobic workout using um, hand grips, and it's it looks very much like an upside down bicycle. Oh, and okay. You can you can uh, pedal with your hands and get a uh, a fairly decent um, aerobic workout. Uh, typically, when I have people who are confined to wheelchairs or things like that, then we have a tendency to shift a little bit more towards resistance types of exercise rather than, um, you know, looking at more extended aerobic type uh, types of programs. There are unfortunately different sets of benefits that you get from aerobic exercise versus resistance. Okay. So you won't get everything, but you'll get a lot more than you would get if you just sat there watching TV. Now, could you explain the difference between aerobic and resistance? Oh, sure. So aerobic typically is um, a repetitive type of exercise that gets the heart rate um, elevated and at a a constant elevation level. When I'm doing, and, and, and typical aerobic exercises are walking, jogging, running, swimming, uh, there are uh, treadmills, elliptical machines, rowing machines, um, but you're doing the same basic motion over and over for extended periods of time. When I'm doing resistance training, then uh, it's what people typically think of in terms of lifting weights, and weights can be anything from the the bodybuilder muscling this huge, enormous weight to right. these very tiny dumbbells that are perfectly fine, uh, depending on where you're starting from. It's also body weight, so things that we we kind of hark back to childhood and push-ups and jumping jacks and uh, sit-ups, things like that. That's resistance training. Um, And there are uh, are also um, types of uh, gym, a lot of the gym equipment, uh, the big heavy framed types of things and then resistance bands and things like that. Anything that really um, creates resistance for the muscle and the muscle has to strain against, but it, they're typically short-term, so you don't have that long-term constant um, exercising of the cardiovascular system. Okay. And those um, those bands, I guess, you can probably use them for your legs too, right? If you're, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep, there's there's whole sets of exercises that people can do with uh, with bands. Perfect. You can learn more about Bob Teigenhoff and his work at Integrative Medical Group at integrativemgi.com.
I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise, and although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. I want to welcome a lot of new listeners this week. So, let's see. We have new listeners in Tokyo, Osaka, Liverpool, Jakarta, Sao Paulo, and... Pusan, South Korea, Sacramento, California, Omaha City, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, Indianapolis, Fort Mill, South Carolina, Jacksonville, Cape Coral, and Port St. Lucie in Florida. Welcome, welcome. And uh, we're back with our special guest, Bob Teigenhoff, the director of the Center for Active Lifestyle Medicine. So, Bob, um, we have a lot of parents who have dementia. What kind of exercises would you suggest for people to do with them? I know we try to get them walking, et cetera, but what else could you suggest for us? Well, I think that um, walking is great. Resistance is uh, resistance training is also um, uh, very beneficial, and one of the exciting things that has come out of the research recently, and this is probably over the last maybe three to five years, is that when you do resistance training, it actually increases the, uh, the prevalence of a uh, protein in the brain that encourages the growth and the establishment of new neurons. 
Uh, It's called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and you get a significant elevation when you exercise. Um, So it's one of the reasons that exercise has become an integral part of many of the longevity and the uh, programs and the programs that fight cognitive decline. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's really... I have a lot of patients that... um, you know, have Parkinson's, and they're so afraid to exercise, you know, and um, I guess, what would you suggest for them as well? Well, actually, there is an organization called the American College of Sports Medicine that has spearheaded a movement called Exercise is Medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. They've done that in conjunction with the American Medical Association, and they actually have a uh, uh, they well they have a website, and the, on the website in the exercise uh, is medicine uh, section, they have exercise recommendations for a whole variety of different um, impairments and diseases, and Parkinson's happens to be one of them. Uh, there's also uh, exercise recommendations for cardiovascular disease, for overweight obesity, for um, uh, a variety of different cognitive decline issues, hypertension, things like that. Um, a lot In a lot of these instances, the, uh, the recommendation, of course, is to be careful, to be slow, to go slow. Right. But ultimately, almost in all instances, it, uh, it, confer- it conforms long-term with the recommendation that uh, initially came out of the Surgeon General's office in 1996 and ultimately has uh, more or less spread around the world, and it's now the official um, exercise recommendation for, from the World Health Organization, and that is that people try to exercise aerobically at moderate intensity for about 150 minutes per week. So if you think about that, five days, 30 minutes a day. Okay. Um, and then supplement that two to three times a week with a, um, with a resistance training program that uh, basically exercises all of the major muscle systems in the body. And so you can probably do that by doing somewhere between 8 to 12 different exercises. I know. I used to, I, I guess, the, the concept like curves, that used to, uh, you know, they mm-hmm. used to have that, um, the circle and all the different machinery, and then in between you were doing aerobic exercises. So I guess something, right. yeah, okay. Yeah, and the, and the circles were set up very, uh, very intentionally to give you that, rounded total body workout so that you were uh, exercising all of the major muscle groups by the time you finished the circuit. Absolutely. Right. I know. I, I, I can't, I don't, there's none open anymore <laughs> in our area. I don't know if they all, I, I loved that place, but, and then well, of it, course. It probably still sell franchises, you know. <laughs> I know. If I could do that in my spare time. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh my gosh. So now, how how about uh, a diet, uh, nutrition? Um, what can you tell us about that? Okay, well, the, the, the issue that I find uh, coming up time and time again is as people 
try to and begin to adopt um, uh, healthy lifestyles, they of course will will attempt to uh, go into a diet that typically is going to be a little bit more plant-based than perhaps the diet they've been taking uh, all along. And so they've typically had uh, the Western diet, lots and lots of animal protein, lots of grains, uh, often wheat and corn-based, and then lots and lots of dairy. Uh, As they move away from that, one of the things that they find is that there aren't that many protein sources in the plant-based world. And so a lot of times the the people that I see at any rate um, are starting to become protein uh, deficient. And if you're, if you are beginning a workout program, an exercise program, and you're cutting back intentionally or unintentionally on your protein, you make it very, very difficult for the body to respond properly. So one of the things you really have to try and do is uh, maintain adequate protein levels. Now, part of the problem with that is that as we age, unfortunately, we become less efficient at digesting our foods and absorbing them. Right. So the amount of protein that I needed when I was 20, 25 uh, to begin what's called muscle protein synthesis, so rebuilding the muscle that I broke down during exercise, I really only needed about 20 grams of protein uh, in order to do that. As you pass age 65 and beyond, you're really looking more at 25 to 30 grams of protein. Now, if that's going up at the same time I'm trying to institute a plant-based healthier diet and my protein is going down, then I get into this, um, this gap where I'm not supplying my body with enough protein to rebuild the, the muscle structures that I'm, uh, that I'm wearing down. So you really have to give a little bit of extra thought and attention to getting adequate amounts of protein. And by the way, that, that 25 to 30 grams is three times a day. Really? So it is not, yeah, it's not wow. just one little shot and I'm done for the day. It seems that you get the best um, muscle uh, growth and regeneration response when you spread it out over um, three meals. Huh. Yeah. How about those protein bars? You know, they're. I see everybody eating those. You know, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, in a pinch. They, okay. They can do in a pinch. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are there are some um, some manufacturers who make um, protein powders that you can do shakes out of that are very very specifically geared to an older population. And they will typically have the, um, uh, the, the specific amino acids, uh. and all protein is made up of 20 amino acids, just strung together like a, a, a chain of pearls, a string of pearls. Um, and they, they do a very uh, scientific uh, formula of those protein, of those amino acids that seem to be key in initiating this whole uh, protein, uh, muscle protein synthesis. Um, so, you know, those, those are available and, uh, uh, we kind of, uh, we like those a lot because 
certainly it, it makes a really convenient, quick and easy breakfast, for example. Right. And so people can put together a smoothie, you, you slice up a banana, put it in a plastic bag, throw it in the freezer, and then the next morning you put your, um, uh, your protein powder in with some, I like almond milk, not everybody does, but I do, and throw in the frozen bananas and you have um, sort of like ice cream for breakfast, mm, uh, that, but it's all healthy. <laughs> yeah, that, sound, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> um, do, do you know any of the brand names of those products or, and where people can buy uh, them? Or? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, Metagenics, and I have absolutely no uh, connection with Metagenics, right. <laughs> but they're the uh, the manufacturer. It's uh, a product called Advanced Protein, uh, Advanced Formula, um, and it comes in vanilla and chocolate. Um, and they they are as opposed to the protein shakes of ten and fifteen years ago that. Uh, you sort of held your nose and right. <laughs> threw down the back of your throat as fast as you can. Um, these taste terrific, uh, and there's really nothing bad in them, so it's a good option. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that. I know because I think of I do everything wrong. I'm listening first of all. <laughs> I know I have to exercise. I'll say to my husband, "Okay, next week just salads. I just have to eat salads." I do this the whole thing, and then he's like, "Here, there's protein bars, and I'm eating them, and some of them are great." And I'm thinking, "I don't know. This is filling me up. Is this all I can eat?" I mean, it's just yeah. <laughs> so. I, yeah, you know, you, you get into looking at the uh, the label, and then then you have you have uh, crossed the line into oh my god, what's in this? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and the calories. I look at the calories. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, mm -hmm. th this little right. you know bar. So. Uh, Two hundred and thirty calories. Right. <laughs> Boy, that went fast. <laughs> it did. I know. I'm like, this is a meal. This can't be. Of course, you know where I. You know, if you listen to my, the show with my mother, then you'll know uh, that can't just be a meal. Listening to my mom, you know. Right. So, right. Um, and. You know, Jumanji, Jumanji. <laughs> exactly. You know, I I told the story of my dad being in the emergency room, and you know, I my husband and I went up there, and it's you know we're taking her home, and I think it's like two o'clock in the morning, and she's like, oh, I have to stop for bread. I'm like, bread? Why do you have to stop for bread? You know, and I know she has bread. Oh, in case you want a sandwich. <laughs> Hey, yeah, of course. I'm like, I don't think it's so. It's only 2 o'clock in the morning. I know. It's like you have to eat, you know. So, oh, my gosh. I try, um, we try to encourage, uh, you know, people, children uh, with their parents. How important is it for children of aging parents to join in the fun and exercise too? Oh, I think if you're the caregiver, um, you, you hopefully have to keep up with your elderly parent, you know. Um, but um, you can't really take care of somebody else if you're sick and you're not capable of doing it. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, one of the things that I do, um, uh, we have a, a little man-made lake uh, near where I live, and every Saturday I, I get my mother and um, now that's not a distance. It's about a mile and a half around the lake, so it's not something that she can do in a, in a, with, behind her walker. 
So I put her in the wheelchair and uh, we go down and we walk all the way around the lake. And it's, it's just a really nice time where she's visually challenged and, and it's, it's a very beautiful place. So she just loves doing that. We get to share that time together and I get a workout. Um, It's, you know, not uh, necessarily the easiest thing in the world, pushing a wheelchair right. up and over bridges and <laughs> all the other uh, barriers and obstacle course uh, items we have along the lake. So, yeah, it's great. That's perfect. Perfect. We so enjoyed the, sh- the show, Bob, and we so enjoyed having you as a guest. I know this episode gave insight into even, you know, ideas and insight for people to exercise with their parents or get their parents to start exercising or themselves like me. Bob, thank you so much for being here. And remember, you can learn more about Bob Teigenhoff and his work at Integrative Medical Group at integrativemgi.com. The best conversations happen at parentsarehardtoraise.org. So I want you to go there now and leave a question or a comment. So our team and the entire Parents of Hard to Raise worldwide community can support you. Please share as much detail as you can. Remember, your story may help someone else. One of the things we're all starving for is community and connection, so please join us. If you found something helpful in this episode, episode 59, please subscribe to our show on iTunes or iHeartRadio. And I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your family and friends. Parents are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York, under license of Broadcast Music Incorporated. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments, and can't wait till we meet up again next week on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember, and remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.